You're listening to Tabletop Genesis, a podcast by Genesis fans for Genesis fans. Hi there, this is Mike Lord. And Tom Roche. And this is Stacey Godfrey. Yay! Yay! Hello, friends. (laughs) Stacey is joining us. She is our resident Phil Collins commenter. (laughs) Because it (laughs) seems like she's always coming back for the Phil albums. And Stacey just pointed out right before we recorded that it was literally a year ago this weekend when we recorded with Stacey. Our hello, it must be going. uh, Hello, I must be going episode so congratulations for coming back a year later it's like a revolution around the sun (laughs) yes we are coming back for these things so you poor gentlemen cannot get rid of me (laughs) we cannot and and we 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 enjoy you coming here and talking about this oh hey you you say phil collins i'm coming running of course here i am so in case you didn't realize dear listeners (laughs) we are talking about phil collins's but seriously Today, his album from 1990 or 89? 89, 89, fall of 89. There we go. Tom, since you're already correcting me on some <laughs> facts, why don't we throw it over to the Wikipedia and see what they have to say about this album? Uh, it probably won't be the first time this episode, but let's go. For <laughs> <laughs> but Seriously is the fourth solo album by English drummer and singer-songwriter Phil Collins. It was released on 20 November 1989 in the United Kingdom by Virgin Records and on 24 November 89 in the United States by Atlantic Records. After Collins finished touring commitments with the rock band Genesis in 1987, never heard of him, Mm. the group entered a four-year hiatus during which Collins starred in the feature film Buster. By the spring of 1989, Collins had written material for a new solo album, which addressed more serious lyrical themes like socioeconomic and political issues, as opposed to his previous dance-oriented album, No Jacket Required. But Seriously was a huge commercial success worldwide, reaching number one in the UK and the US for 15 and four non-consecutive weeks, respectively. It was the best-selling album of 1990 in the UK, eventually selling 2.75 million copies there and 4 million in the U.S. The lead single, Another Day in Paradise, won Grammy Award for Record of the Year. Collins supported the album with the Seriously Live World Tour in 1990. In 2016, the album was remastered with additional studio live and demo tracks and updated artwork. Indeed, and and excellent radio voice with that reading, Tom. I don't know what you were drinking last night, but (laughs) it's definitely... uh, I don't remember either, so... (laughs) Fantastic. What are our memories of this album coming out? I have very vivid memories because this was a time of my life that was very consequential to me. That was very important to me. It was the fall of my freshman year of college. And I I remember vividly up until that time, this fall of 1989, September, October, November was the best time that I had ever had in my life. Like, I think because it was such a difference between high school and everything, like it was a fresh start. It was, you know, meeting new people, like throwing all of what had been in high school and whatever behind. So I was in a really good place. And this came out in that fall. I remember this and 
Billy Joel's Stormfront were the two good releases that I was waiting for in the fall of 89. So everything was just good feelings. And I was embracing all different kinds of music that I was meeting people. And like, this was the first Phil Collins album that had come out since I had become a fan. So everything else I had just, you know, gone back and gotten. So this was the first anticipated release and it was just, I was loving this time. So that's why I remember it vividly that it was the fall of 89. For everything was coming up, Tom. Yeah, year of Tom. (laughs) That's right. Stacy, how about you? Actually, like an opposite experience to Tom, (laughs) because in 89, I think I was entering middle school, which was terrifying, horrible. You know, that awkward teenage years. Middle school is never a good time for anyone. No. However, like Tom, this was, you know, my first anticipatory Phil Collins album. So, you know, as we've talked about before, became fans with No Jacket Required. So I was super excited to hear this. I I know that even though I have no memory of it, I know that's how (laughs) um, I was looking forward to listening to it. But it was this was not a good time for Lady Stapson. This was uh, this is it. But I, I do, re, you know, I, I loved it. I remember, I think this might've been the last Collins release I got on cassette tape. Ooh. Um, yeah. And <laughs> that, that's, that's of an era. Yes, yes. Yes. And, um, you know, I did love it, but I was very much a closeted Phil Collins fan at that point. Um, he was, if you guys can believe it, not the, not very cool, uh, musician to be a fan of at that time. And at that age, I think he he really burned out a lot of listeners with the overplay of No Jacket Required and, you know, the easy lover against all odds. Like he was just everywhere in the mid to late 80s. So with this new album, um, at least in in my world, there was a lot of oh, Phil Collins. He's an old person's musician. Like he was, he's passe and he's not cool. I mean, at the time when I, you know, at that time, everybody around me at my age were listening to, you know, a lot of hip hop, R&B, pop music, you know, the one hit wonders uh, of the radio. And that's what I threw myself into as well. I mean, I, I, I love all that stuff. And that's, that's how I was part of the music scene, if you will, in 89, where my Phil Collins listening was kind of alone in my bedroom secretly (laughs) uh, enjoying it. So yeah, there's a lot of mixed, uh, kind of mixed emotions about this release. Now with, you know, how many years gone by since then, I do look back on this album as, you know, one of his greatest releases. And I think the like, you know, and we might talk more about this as we go through the tracks, but I think now that I'm hearing this, uh, uh, you know, and now I listen to it again, this is where he really defined his sound that took him through the rest of his career. You know how we talked about with Peter Gabriel three, that's where Gabriel found his sound. Right. This is where Collins found a sound. Like there's so many songs in this album that I think serve as the blueprint for everything he released since then. So it, you know, it's solid. There's a lot of songs on this album. Um, (laughs) And so it's, it's been great to kind of go back and re-listen and like, you know, realizing too, like, it's it's just like, he's just going hit after hit after hit on this too. So I appreciate, I'll I'll sum it up by saying like, I appreciate it and celebrate it so much more now than I did, I think when it came out. 
Right. You're outside mm-hmm. of the shackles of the middle school. Yes. You're able to truly <laughs> enjoy and love this album the way it deserves yeah. to be loved. So exactly. For me, I, again, my my experience was parallel to Tom's in a lot of ways because again, was also freshman in college that that's that fall. If my memory serves me right, I want to say that Another Day in Paradise came out as the single before going off to college. Like it was like a, a late summertime type of single. I may be wrong about that. My memory may be playing tricks on me with that. And I remember thinking the song was fine, you know, and was at that point still more of a Genesis and probably Peter solo career fan than Phil solo career fan. I still probably didn't, I might've had, hello, I must be going, but I, and I bought this when it was new, but I know that I, weirdly, I didn't own face value until much later in life. So I, although I had obviously heard it tons of times, it was still kind of like as Phil's solo career was still the popular one. So I almost felt like I didn't have to care about it as much. I do just remember also with the tour in the summer of 90 that I had an opportunity to go. Well, a friend of mine from high school had an extra ticket, but I had to work that night. And then I had this summer job that was not great. And I went there for an hour and they said, oh, we're not busy tonight. You can leave. And like I raced home pre-cell phone to try to call my friend <laughs> and say, do you still have the ticket? But they either he had already given it away to somebody else or they had left already. And so I just couldn't couldn't do it. So it was um, it kind of kept me from seeing Phil until he did the uh, Not Dead Yet tours later on or the, actually the Motown shows was the first time I saw Phil live outside with solo not outside of genesis so well i i got i got lucky on that one because i said i was away in pennsylvania at college mm-hmm. towards the end of freshman year april may 1990 i think my mom called me and she goes oh i phil collins is coming to nassau coliseum uh i got you tickets i was like what <laughs> <laughs> like i i i I guess I talked about Phil Collins a bit in my house. Uh, so she ended shocking, up getting shocking yeah, Tom. <laughs> she ended up getting tickets for my friend and I. We went. Aww. It was a great show. It was. I just remember seeing during Daryl's opening guitar riff on "In the Air Tonight." The way the lights were, it made like his shadow the entire side of the of, of the <sighs> arena, and it looked amazing. And with Chester, Daryl, and Phil, I thought this is the closest I'm ever going to get to see Genesis live. Because I had missed yeah. the Invisible Touch tour, so it was the first time I had been seeing them in in concert, and I was like, "So, shout out to my mom! Thanks for getting me those tickets." Bravo to mom! So <laughs> yeah. good for her with that and everything. So cool. Well, with that, we will jump into the album tracks now, track by track, as we as is our want. <laughs> and the first one, if we can do it, we're gonna be able to hang in long enough.
So with Hanging Long Enough, I like this song, but the funny thing about it is that I always think it's on Dance Into the Light. I don't know why. What? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why. It's just one of those songs where I'm just like, like, I always get it wrong what it's on. And so when I pulled this album out to listen to it for for this kind of really diving into taking notes and everything, I was like, oh, yeah, this track is on this album. And it's just one of these songs that I like, but it never lines up where I think it should in Phil's career. Well, it, I think you just validated my earlier point in terms of this is this album is his is a blueprint for his future releases. Yeah. Um, so I can absolutely see that connection between Hanging Long Enough and Dancing to the Light. So, yeah, yeah, I, it's it's plausible. <laughs> yeah. And this is a, this is a great Phil solo song. I think that yeah. with, with the horns and, you know, just the arrangement of it and everything, it's a great example of of Phil's shouty singing that works and especially I always think of that more as a live thing sometimes but for this recording it works with the song itself and I just really enjoy it so it's it's an upbeat good time song a good <laughs> a good start to this album it's a juggernaut like it is just relentless like I was listening to it this week and it just it does not let up um and you know talk about like starting an album with <laughs> intention you know just snap right into it yeah a lot of good energy on this track some great key changes um that are very satisfying I also I forgot about this but this was the album where he had some like female background singers on a couple tracks and this is one of them which was very much of the time like late 80s to the mid 90s that's like that was like having female background singers like having saxophone in the <laughs> 80s yes um so you know that's the only thing that kind of dates this album for me in some ways but yeah it's a, it's a great high energy track yeah and I think the horn arrangements were were great there was a fantastic bit in the middle where the horns really take over the lead of the song and i can be critical sometimes of phil's use of horns but on this song it just really works for me it really does what i think that he wanted it to do for the listeners it's got that rapid machine gun style horns section in the middle it's a killer opening track just the fact that you know it begins with horns straight up and then goes into real drums, which kind of a departure from No Jacket Required a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like, all right, he's back. He's banging the real skins. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think this track is just solid. Some, sometimes, like you th thought it's from Dance Into the Light. I always forget that this song begins the album. I, I don't know why mm -hmm. I always think this album begins with a different song. But then when it starts off, I'm like, oh, yeah, this, this song rocks. <laughs> uh, I think I said during our No Jacket Required discussion that some people thought that the studio sounded too much like 1999 by mm -hmm. Prince. This song actually, I think, sounds a little bit, the verses sound more like 1999 than the studio does. So there's a little bit of a similar feel, but overall the song is, you know, its own song. I love the bridge in the middle. Mm -hmm. It just kills me every time. This They always say the best things in life are free, but you want to have everything... Well, you're going to have to beg if you want it all. You're going to have to beg. <laughs> da -da 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 -da. Like that whole that whole part is just amazing. And then it goes back into the song. Love love this track. 
Yeah, I, the bridges of these of this whole album are, I think, the one of the brightest spots of it. That's another thing I noticed. Like, oh yeah, he and again, it's just kind of the the it's the for it's the Genesis Phil Collins formula, you know, verse big wall of sound chorus, kick ass bridge with an amazing key change. You know, you know, sometimes a little little widdly kind of exploration eclectic part at the end, and that's that is like the formula. And this song just a brilliant example of it speaking of like late 80s style at the time like the video for this it takes place on like a titanic like ship called the ss udio oh, God. <laughs> anyway and phil's band is playing uh it's not called phil's band it's called something else but he's mm -hmm. wearing the biggest red shoulder padded jacket that i've ever seen like i think only david byrne has worn a bigger jacket <laughs> And there's a whole bunch of girls dancing, which they look like fly girls. It's like neon colors. It's like it's <laughs> oh, like straight man. out of the late 80s. I was trying to say it is of its time. It there. is of its time. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and maybe it's that video, too, where I just associate that video with being like mid 90s in my head. Like it's it's I, everything of everything time wise about this song in my head <laughs> is lined up incorrectly. And, you know, I, it's futuristic. I don't, it you could know? be again. It's it's predicting dance and dance with the light. And, and maybe I kind of think of this song and, and dance into the light itself as a song. It's kind of like sibling songs like they feel like they're not that they're carbon copies of each other. But there's again that filled DNA running through it all. So, so in my head, I think I just associate those those two songs with each other very strongly. Also, after the upbeat nature of hanging long enough, we have to just take a breath and realize that sometimes that's just the way it is. So that's just the way it is. I don't know. Do you guys always think it's the man on the corner when you hear this song? <laughs> like the beginning of it, I'm like, oh, it's this man on the corner. Oh, no. Okay. It's just, that's just the way it is. Um, very, so obviously it's very similar vibe and feel. I really do like this song. I like David Crosby. 
uh, and Phil's vocals together. It's it to me. This reminds me of like a, a reprise of a long, long way to go with mm -hmm. Phil's duet with Sting. You know, kind of a similar vibe. And again, going back to what I've been saying already so much is like to me, this is this is the track that is the blueprint for a lot of what he. Um, I think he his his songwriting style moving forward, particularly both sides. Um, you know how you were saying hanging long enough reminded you, you think it's on dance to the light. This, this track could easily have been on both sides or dance into the light for me, you know, structurally and, and similar like father and son, another track on this album. I get those two songs mixed up. I think, you know, is this father and son or is the way, mm -hmm. you know, right. again, there's so many songs on this album. I sometimes, <laughs> and I'm old now, so I get confused easily. Um, but uh, yeah, this is just a very, very it's a it's it's nice it's not offensive it's you know it's to me it's it, it is a good uh you know as we we often say here a palate cleanser after the uh the assault of hanging long enough <laughs> so i think it's 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 in the right place on the album yeah it's that yeah, contrast nice. it lets you settle mm -hmm. in a little bit more after mm -hmm. kind of being up with the first track yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna take a page from tom and and take a lyric here that if we agree if if we agree we can disagree we can stop all this today which i was i liked just as you know a little bit of lyric and and phil's lyrics can sometimes be like this on that's just the way it is it's he has a resignation to things in life sometimes that for somebody who has this reputation of being the happy you know hey i'm phil collins type of thing his lyrics often, I don't want to say that they're dark, but they're a bit more kind of like, ah, that's how it is. You know, it's like he has this world weary attitude sometimes that that this song is an example of. He'd wanted to work with David Crosby, I read years before, but their schedules never, never worked out. I think they had met later in the 80s and Phil said I had a couple songs that I think you'd be perfect for. And, and this, along with the one later, Another Day in Paradise. But this one, I think there's it's more of a a co co lead singing than the later track, and I think their their voices just work perfectly together. Yeah, and it's great that you know Crosby, who comes from that late '60s era of anti-war songs and and protest, gets to sing on the song, which is basically that. I think this yeah. was originally written about you know the troubles in Northern Ireland and the struggles. I watched the video the other day. I hadn't seen it in. Either I never saw it because <laughs> at, at college we weren't really watching videos. Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> so we listened to the music. Those kind I, of videos, at least. Th those <laughs> right. And it's it was it was actually a tough watch, this video, because, you know, they're showing footage of war and just damage and destruction and kids, you know, just being held in parents' arms. And mm. it was just really disturbing because you're like, 35 years later, nothing has changed. Like literally they could just substitute stuff that's going on in the world today in this video for what footage they showed then. And it would be the same thing. So I don't know. I think it works all around that. Yeah. It's just, it is frustrating. Like that's just the way it is. It's like nothing was solved in the time that this song came out to now. So it's, no, <laughs> Bill Collins, unfortunately is always right. He's always right. Yes. <laughs> he is. And and I think this is the the first of several tracks on the album that where Phil is taking a more um, you know having more social conscious and uh, he's uh, writing more about 
you know, what's going on in the world versus what's going on in his heart. <laughs> yeah. This is definitely, again, something that he becomes more and more um, part of his his catalog and his songwriting style. Yeah. Well, and Stacey, you just kind of sent out a day or two ago this article that our friend of the podcast, Al Melchior, had written about mm -hmm. Bill kind of not really liking that No Jacket Required that much. But it was almost in contrast to this album where he said that this was more like himself here. And kind of that he was talking about the things that were important to him, whereas No Jacket Required was more of a surface album, that it wasn't mm -hmm. as kind of a deeper album. And lyrically, especially, this album is exploring areas that might have gotten explored a bit on face value and everything, but were then in that mid-80s time frame where, where Phil was going for the top of the charts and everything it kind of got put off to the side a bit. It was more of, you know, just here's a song that's upbeat and has maybe some good lyrics to it, but isn't necessarily a, a super deep song in any way. Yeah, I think, you know, the first two albums, you know, Heart on a Sleeve approach, you know, he's going through some, you know, personal, a lot of personal turmoil. It's been public, you know, with his marriages and, you know, probably even still like figuring out his place in Genesis and in music in general and be starting his career as a songwriter that drums uh, and a singer that drums. And so, so it makes sense. And now, you know, he's been, you know, when we get to, but seriously, he's been writing, arranging, recording as his own artist for a while now. And so, you know, he's, he's now ready to kind of speak to these things that he also cares, like that he cares about, like more of a deeper, deeper look into, you know, what he has to say and how he wants to express himself. You know, it's kind of like a, this like natural progression. Yeah. To me, that's how it, it feels. The only other note I had on the song was this, the start of hearing Daryl's great guitar work. I, I mm. love his work on this album and there's just this subtle, background guitar on this song at different points which i think really uh is fantastic and gets even better as the album goes on and we do just have to make sure that we that it is daryl because this is also an album where dominic miller plays a lot of guitar who i believe was also sting's guitarist if my yeah. memory is serving me right with that so you know there there's a track or two where i think they're both on it but sometimes it's this is a Daryl guitar out song. This is a dominant guitar song. And it's it's interesting that Phil brought in somebody else to, you know, expanding his musical palette with that. You know, Pino Palladino plays bass on a couple tracks here. It's not all Leland Sklar. So it's mm -hmm. he's and kind Nathan of East. Out. Yeah, sure. Nathan, yeah. Nathan East plays bass on a couple tracks, but I did yeah. double check before I said that. It is yes. Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> I, I double checked also as you said it. I was like, oh, wait a second. So yeah, good for Daryl on here. There's there's none of that buzzsaw guitar that uh that Stacy commented on with with uh no chapter required. Yeah, but... I, I did write down in my notes to make a point for all the listeners <laughs> to know <laughs> that I do approve of the guitars much more on this album <laughs> um than on No Jacket. Yeah, this the yeah, I agree with Tom. It's as with all of I think Collins's solo albums, the guitars are all you know not as forward as I say the keys and the drums are just because that's what Collins plays. And I'm sure he writes on keys and, and drums uh, primarily. So, but I think, you know, how like the guitar work on this entire album is, is great. And the sound yes, does not 
put me in a fit of rage. So that's <laughs> also a plus. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. So, well, with that, we'll move on from thinking about that's just the way it is. And we'll try to think about, do you remember? track on the album where the all of my life phrase comes into play which mm. is a mainstay of phil yes i always thought you know as a, if, when i have free time uh i was going to do a mashup of all the times phil said all of my life whether in genesis or in phil songs and i think you probably get at least a dozen or 15 mm. uh but that's a side project down the road <laughs> uh this song I think it's a perfect pop song. Like I don't, I, there's nothing wrong with this song. Everything in it works. It might at the onset sound like, okay, this is going to be a little schmaltz or something, but I don't know. There's something that in the way that Phil can take what others might make schmaltzy and make sincere. And I would rank this up as a heart tugger in the same vein as please don't ask or don't let him steal your heart away. It just, kind of lulls you into a sense of, all right, you know, we're just going to be talking about a love that I once had. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, oh, this didn't work out. And then you're like, okay, he's got me. <laughs> That's how Phil does it. He sneaks up on you that mm -hmm. way. So I liked this. I remember it being a big radio song. And on the album, I was, there's a, bit that kind of is on my shoulder saying is is two ballads in a row too much at the start of an album like this but it's a very minor critique that i had with that i was like maybe another up song would have been better a little sooner which we actually get on the next track but overall i thought that this was a really great song you know there's i like the kind of subtle guitar through here talking about mm. daryl again that it's you know it's it's not in your face the again the arrangement of these songs are all excellent so i think that you know this is something that's to the song's credit yeah i don't i don't have love for the song like you guys do um <laughs> to me it, it's one of the phil's best top lines um mm. it's a lovely top line which he you know that's to me, like his ballads, 
you know, the slower mid-tempo songs, that's where he really shines. But that's all I really like, like about it. Otherwise, it's just there. Um, you know, I think I said earlier, there's a, there's a lot of tracks on this album. And I'm wondering, <laughs> you know, not this track, there's others I'm thinking of, I think that 10 years ago would have been B-sides. Um, if we hadn't had CDs and, you know, the, you know, you have uh, the medium could hold more <laughs> material than vinyl that, you know, was going out. So I, yeah, to me, it's, it's not, it's good lyric, you know, the lyrics are great. Solid top line, like I said, but. Just doesn't yeah, do it for you. Doesn't do it for me. Nope. Mm. Mm. Well, thanks for joining us, Stacey. It's yeah, it was great. It was great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, that's good. I think we had we had Tom's very positive uh, piece, mine, which was like, oh, I like it, but there's some issues with it. And then Stacy just going, eh, but that's what I do. I come in fine. and I shit all over <laughs> everything that you build up. <laughs> and it's funny because it's it's such a complimentary way to say, I don't really like this song. You're like, you're very good at picking out the, the good part you like in a track. Yeah. And then being like, ah, oh, but the rest of it, eh. which is which is a good skill to have. I actually think, and I was just thinking that this track to me also, if I was going to compare it to a Genesis song, I would say never a time off of, um, it's oh, yeah. blasphemy, but that, but that's the thing where it's like my middle of the road part with this song is more like, I think that never a time, which was not that great of a song is trying to do what this song did does, but doesn't do it as well. Wait, this song doesn't do it as well? No, never a time doesn't okay, do it okay, as well. Right. What what do you remember does? So do you remember this song is a better song? It's and this is what I feel like never a time was trying to be like this, maybe not consciously, but it was just it just didn't get there. I mean, do I really like this song? I don't know. Do I have two ears and a heart? Yes. Oh, so <laughs> classic. The classic <laughs> Phil Collins. Uh, it's, career it's, getting, it's getting got great. You know, it it sounds like subtle work, but it's also in your face. The the Daryl crying guitar lines, especially during this part where they he kind of has that guitar sound after every line. He goes, "There was always something more important to do, more important to say." But I love you wasn't one of those things, and now it's too late. Stick a fork in me. I mean, that is just like, <laughs> do you remember now it's over? Like now it's over? Like, oh, yeah. Uh, this 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 track does it for me. Well, it's Aww. also because it also, if you just think about it, like, do you remember? You think like, oh, nostalgia, isn't that kind of a sweet thing to think about? Mm -hmm. But Phil kind of turns that knife and it's yeah. and it isn't that. Right. That's it how is, he lulls. Do you remember he... now it's over? And you're like, oh, this is, you know, <laughs> this is sad. This isn't this isn't just a melancholy about the passing of time. This is about it being done. You're over with something. So that's very sad. Speaking of being over with something. Yes, yeah. we can probably. I'm, I'm over with. I'm over <laughs> yes. this track. Let's go. Well, that's good because we can kind of move on and figure out if something happened on the way to heaven.
I was just said before that we needed kind of a, a more up song to kind of having two ballads in the row, but this fourth track was something happened on the way to heaven, co-written by Daryl, the music mm -hmm. written by Daryl is a really big up song. This is one of those ones that again, gets you going and that I do really associate this song with this album. This is something that yeah. in my head is, is something that I don't think this could be anywhere else in Phil's career. It's, it's a really solid song and it's a happy, at least again, without diving into the lyrics, <laughs> which we might do, it feels like a very happy song. And I'm going to take that feeling with me as we talk about this. I think this is the song that I always think starts the album. Yes, me too. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> because it's got such almost like a behind the lines kind of yep. grab you from the start, like like an intro, like here's a song that's leading up to something. It has that great intro, which is, da, 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 da. you know, it's like, like something's coming. Here's, you know, the feel you're going to have. And it's just so catchy. It's great to hear this whenever I'm about or hearing it somewhere. I'm like, all right, this is such a killer track. It was a few years ago. We went, our family took a cruise on, you know, the MSC cruise line. Mm. Uh, and there was this, social director andre and he would you know you'd see him around the ship and every night they'd have some kind of performance whether it was like a you know in their theater and he would walk on and introduce the show each night and this was his walk on music okay so, the funny time the funny thing is every time we hear the song on the radio our family goes introducing andre because we're so it's so it got so associated with him walking onto stage with this but yeah it's like a here we go. Like, let's get started. Kind of feel to it. For me, this is the Genesis track of the album. Okay. Um, you know, it's got that big chorus wall of sound. Um, it's it's the the Genesis eighties nineties blueprint all over it. So when you're saying Tom, yeah, kind of had that behind the lines feel. I'm like, yep, absolutely. That's what I think of. Like, and and that's probably why I also think like whenever I go back to this album, I always. For, not always, but I, I usually assume this is the opening track. <laughs> you know, this is one of like three or four songs on the album that I I think, you know, is a favorite um, yep. for me um, that rotates regularly. It's just I, I think the I think this is my favorite track with the horns, too. OK, um, I'd have to say it just all works. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Listeners and you guys know of my love for full stops in songs. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And I think oh, a, close, a close second is the double snare hit in these songs yeah. right before <laughs> kind of the verses kick in where it's almost a full stop, but it does that double yeah. snare. And I was like, oh, that really works, too. That's a mm -hmm. good, you know, punctuation <laughs> mark. And again, that shows, you know, Phil skills as an arranger using the mm -hmm. drums that way to really know how to accent and move a song forward. This is a great track. So there may be other. Oh, I was wondering if there was a demo. Like, I'd be curious to hear Daryl's demo of this that he gave to Phil to say, oh, here's this music I've come up with. Mm. Do something with it, you know, and kind of see how much how much Phil brought to it, how much was there at, at Daryl's stage of things. But, you know, that's something that until Daryl does his own box set, I guess we won't uh, won't hear that necessarily. Just a little thing I love about this song uh, is just the fact that the title is just a line in the second verse, yeah. you know, after the after the quote unquote chorus. It's not it's not the chorus. It's just a kind of a throwaway line. I, I don't know. I always thought that was very cool. 
it's nice when songs aren't named after after the chorus. You know, it makes it mm-hmm. a little bit a little bit more curious. And I like that when lyricists are good at about taking you know phrases and kind of changing them for their own purposes, kind of common English phrases, even like all my life or something like that. <laughs> but you know, something something happened on the way to somewhere is kind of a a phrase, you know. But it's like putting in the heaven there and kind of, you know, using it in this song, it works out pretty well. So kudos to Phil for the lyric writing again. Good job. Exactly. <laughs> so we like Phil. He's we a do. good guy. So. <laughs> well, with that, we're going on to, I believe, Tom, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe this is the last song of side one. If we're looking at vinyl or did this have a vinyl release back in the day? Oh. It had a vinyl release. But I got I it. Like I said, cassette. I believe there were two songs not right. on the vinyl oh, because okay. of time constraints. Got it. The actual vinyl ordering was all, all not the same. And everything. Yeah. So, well, let's let's pretend this is the end of side one then. Yes. And we can flip <laughs> our CDs over and see what happens <laughs> with that as we jump into colors. is such a unique part of this album like it is such a it's a quirky track and really i think it not just on this album but his entire catalog it's it's to me this is a phil collins prog yes yeah exactly (laughs) you know there's uh, a lot happening in this in this song i know this is a very loose correlation but has that kind of me and sarah jane vibe where it's kind of going through different like it's not repeating itself a lot Mm. it's kind of going through different changes different colors if if you like (laughs) um throughout it uh it's it's such a such a strong lyric too that's that's what really holds it all these different passages together and it's just such an outstanding piece of work from phil collins i don't you know that's full stop i mean i don't know what else to say i mean you you we could probably spend an hour talking about 
like all the different sections in this song, you yeah. know, and the different, you know, just the opening, that middle section, you know, just all the way through. It's uh, and it, it really like does stand out on the album. And if it, it truly is the beginning of of a second side, it's a great way to start the side. Mm. Or I thought it was the end of the first side, but I could oh. be wrong about that. But it's it's but if it was a start too, that'd be great also. I so, have yeah. no memory of that. <laughs> I, did, I didn't own this on album. Uh, one of our listeners will, will let us know. <laughs> exactly. I think this is probably Phil's longest solo song. I can't oh, think of any other Yeah. yeah. But as and you saying it's kind of you know Phil Collins prog, I it was is. like, yeah, this is very <laughs> much like that. I thought that intro piano sound was very much like that Tony Banks kind of the update of his kind of late seventies piano sound. What was at the time kind of the modern era? Again, maybe just my overall confusion with this album. I always think of this song as being on both sides, and maybe I'm getting it confused with. I think it's we wait and we wonder, but. It just has that similar launder form fill feel to me for that. So, and the lyrics, I think no matter what you do, we never see any change. You know, there's, there's this resignation to his lyrics that again, I don't think it's his, it's his worldview because again, I think it's overall, he's probably fairly optimistic, but he can recognize kind of what's going on around him and kind of what Tom was saying before that, you know, 35 years later, this there's the same issues we're dealing with. You can take your horse down to the water, hold it under his head, make him dream. No matter what you say, no matter what you say, it's any better. No matter what you do, no matter what you never see. is his yeah his solo progginess come through uh i love the quiet piano intro and then the i don't know chorus but like you know when it all of a sudden gets very heavy Mm. in concert chester was standing up bashing cymbals together during that time Mm. uh which i thought was very neat and then of course then it goes into like that little instrumental transition into the second half of the song and it was very kind of like the face value roof is leaking hand in hand kind of transition that kind of rhythm drum repeated and i I remember watching this 
the video for this, which is just a live performance from, I think, MSG, Madison Square Garden. And something about just Phil doing that piano part, going up, playing drums, coming back down. I was like, he's just so fucking talented. It's like, <laughs> it's just, it, it's just, it, it just kind of encapsulated everything about him writing, performing, drumming. That it's just, he was unmatched. And I just, it's, and, you know, I see all these no names. I don't want to say no names, but like <laughs> people getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and he's still not in it as a solo artist, which is just a shame. But I don't know, maybe he's like, I don't want to be a member of any institution that would have me. Maybe that's right. what he's thinking. But anyway, good job, Phil. Excellent. Love it. Mm-hmm. Bravo for Phil. I think that this being kind of like a pinnacle of Phil's, you know, if we look at this as the either the end of the first phase or the start of the second phase of his of his writing and of his of his solo career, this is that kind of kickoff to to that. And I think also, again, it's it's easy to draw these parallels, but you look at Peter as a writer versus Phil as a writer. And I think Peter writes about they each write about these same type of issues, but Peter writes very individually. He writes a Biko. He writes a story in a song that's about an individual, whereas Phil writes more about a broad situation. Mm-hmm. Like he's not as he doesn't write generally doesn't write an individual narrative story. It's more of here's a situation that I'm going to write about, you know, mm-hmm. with, you know, driving the last bite with this, with other things like we wait and we wonder it's it's less about an individual story and it's more about here's a situation i want to talk about and i think that's i was i was thinking about this beforehand but i was like i think that's kind of the one of the differences between peter and phil is that how they focus on things and not that phil not that peter hasn't written about broader things or phil hasn't written about individuals but I think they each have their preferred style or way of writing about. Yeah. This. Like Peter's more, here's a point of view of someone right. and Phil's like, here's my observation and my perception of the situation. Yeah. So, or interpretation of what's happening. Yeah. Um, but yeah. 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 Which is why I think they actually are a nice compliment to each other. If you like both solar careers, it's kind of, mm-hmm. you get, you get some of the same issues being discussed, but from a variety of points of views. So and we'll actually, actually talk about this later on with father to son too, but mm-hmm. it's, I think that that's, that's what's fun about these, about being a fan of, you know, the Genesis family in general. Mm-hmm. Well, now that we've talked about colors, we're now going to jump into the next track. I wish it would rain down.
the obvious thing to talk about with this track is that it's Eric Clapton, Bill's good friend, playing guitar on this pre-anti-vax days. But, you know, <laughs> we know what's coming down the pike 30-some years later. But this is, again, something that elevates the song. What is a pretty straightforward, gospelish feel type of this type of song and just helps Eric Clapton is good about coming in and, and elevating songs like that. You know, while my guitar gently weeps, you know, being a guest on certain songs, he's able to raise them up in, in, in ways that, you know, not that Daryl could endure Dominic Miller or whatever, but just, you know, Eric Clapton is talented for a reason. And that's, you know, this is one of those things that he's very good at doing. This is one of those songs that, Recently, when we're talking about like, what's your favorite song or or what makes a song your favorite is when it can like get you. And this, when this builds up, I mean, there are times when this song has just like gotten me, especially when it gets into the gospel choir and Eric's guitar work mm -hmm. and Phil's emotional pleading during the song. Like everything about this song works for me. And I would put this up there in one of his top five songs yep. of all of all his songs. All right, Stacy. What? What? Um, do, you, do you have a contrasting opinion now on this? Let's see. <laughs> so I, I actually saw a stripper dance to this track. <laughs> oh no! And that's now all I think about um, when I hear this song, which isn't bad. I mean, he was pretty hot. Um, okay. But yeah, now I associate it with a stripper. He came on stage, and it was <laughs> he was like undressing, got down to like his jeans. And then there was like a bucket of water poured all over him, you know, during the chorus. So yeah, so that's uh, that's my association. That's your story with it. So it's, it's funny. When you, when did, did you make it rain down on him? <laughs> did, no did, comment. Did, uh, <laughs> <laughs> say, singles. Did, she she rained down single bills. Single that's bills right. Yes. On him. It's funny when you said that you saw a stripper dance to this. I immediately thought female stripper. And then you're like, oh, that's right. Why? <laughs> <laughs> no, yes. well, no, for this particular um, track, it was a man. All right. Good to know. Yeah. Good to know. So, and this was a high school talent show. <laughs> <laughs> Family reunion. Um, yes. no, just, no, 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 no. One thing I, I that always kind of cracks me up with this is the delayed, yeah. In some oh, of the yeah. verses, he's like, <laughs> you know, I never meant to see you again, but I only passed by as a friend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an afterthought, like, oh, I forgot to say yeah. So yeah. yeah. Right. If if this if this is a ballad, I don't know if what either of you would think about that. I, I will say this is if people define this song as a ballad, I say thumbs up to this ballad then. Sometimes I can poo-poo ballads, it's kind of easy shots, but but this is one that that really works for me. So the 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 balladish balladishishness of it is a feature, not a bug. And I revel in it for this track. So like Tom was saying, when especially as it gets to the end and, you know, everybody's doing their best with this. It's a song. And if I remember right, there's no horns on this or anything. It is just no. the no. it is just literally drums, bass guitars and Phil doing the key keyboards on it also it's a very again you know I don't want to say outside the vocals of the guitar it's a very minimalist arrangement of this track so it lets the gospel choir and the guitar really do the heavy lifting here yeah I mean when you guys uh 
decide to pursue your stripping career, highly recommend <laughs> putting this in into your rotation. Well, that could it be does work. Could we do kind of a, a special episode about what would be your top five, you know, Genesis related tracks to to strip to? No, we'll never do that. <laughs> that is a horrible idea. <laughs> I, I'm just putting it out there because if you put <laughs> things out there to the universe, sometimes it just manifests. So, you know, this is but, not something that should manifest. All right, all right we'll, we'll keep it away there. So, well, yeah, my my only negative, Ooh. and it's not about the song. It's just that the video subject matter is it's a it's a fun video to watch. It's a fantastic song to listen to. I hate the pairing of them because it takes a, a such a strong song that like emotionally is supposed to carry you and puts it to kind of like a slapsticky video. What's That's the, the part. Video? Of I, don't I can't remember. I, I remember it being a vaguely kind of performance video. So I don't remember there being a story to it. It's, it's, it's a long video. It's got like Jeffrey Tambor in it. Eric Clapton's in it. It's the, it's black and sepia tone. The singer is sick. So they say, Oh, this guy, Bill, can take yes. over you know he was in a band where he was a drummer but now he's the singer maybe he'll do a good job nick wink wink right. so he comes out and then he performs but halfway through then he's in like a gone with the wind kind of revival he's on a stage then he's in like davy crockett kind of costume at one point and then he's he's doing like all these old timey pictures and it just it it has a video for another song i'd, I'd love it but the fact that it's kind of taking this, I don't know, it's just not a good mashup of, you know, I, I want a strong video that gets me like the song does, not kind of like a campy kind of we're going to take this great song. Oh, and just... Okay, now I'm remembering yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. As you were describing it, I yeah. recalled it. It just doesn't match. No. Okay. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, they're uh... not all winners. I mean, and the videos are like. <laughs> yeah they're so secondary and it's a shame because sometimes that that becomes imprinted yeah in in how you take in the song and and experience it that's 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 probably why i repressed it because it was <laughs> right and at, and at one point in the now. video at one point in the video phil starts stripping so it was just like all <laughs> over the place oh that's my right, god you know? Just what it's uh, memories <laughs> that that is the repression. And then Andre comes out. Yes, <laughs> Andre <laughs> comes out. Right. And then it, he's on a boat at some point. Yeah. And you know, that's it's all, it's oh, that's sinking. Exactly. The yeah. SS Udio. We're now at the halfway point of the album. So, Tom, I think it may be time to uh, start talking about some viewer mail. Yes, thank you for uh, our listeners, aka viewers, as we call them, for writing in, sharing <laughs> your thoughts on this album. I'll read a few from the website that we got. Ian Barber says, I've really grown to love colors. This is one song on this album I could have seen Tony really getting behind in a band context. Mm. I think it's great when Phil goes into an epic mode in his solo efforts. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, John Fitzgerald. To me, this album was a welcome return to form. He was such a big star when this came out. It seemed he had forgotten his roots or something. But every song mm -hmm. is excellent. He pulled out the acoustic drums again. It was all good. Daryl plays his ass off on this record, too. 
and that suspended symbol makes do you remember my favorite track on this one mm. kevin bokes thinking about this survey made me realize what a wonderfully consistent album we have in but seriously it includes a song for every mood i might be in you get reflective all of my life father to son nostalgic do you remember thoughtful another day in paradise uplifting hanging long enough something happened soulful i wish it would rain down and then political colors this is a class album that phil should be very class album that phil should be very proud of i'm liking uh, all these comments <laughs> that that alone that should just been the episode yeah exactly. <laughs> like, thank you good night thanks everyone see ya. <laughs> thank you kevin <laughs> david broadbent i've always had a soft spot for find a way to my heart and it's in my list of funeral songs in some ways, it's a musical take-me-home redo. Mm. Love the sh slow, distorted guitar intro-outro, but lyrically, a clear message to his kids he's not been present for enough, but now reaching out to. Maybe we can do a joint episode about stripping songs and funeral songs <laughs> in the same episode. Really cover both aspects of things there. And last one that I have, Jay Spencer. I went Find a Way to My Heart as it was my favorite track. 34 years ago when the album first came out, the opening noise scared the crap out of my then girlfriend, now <laughs> wife. Uh, that track was the one of only two that seemed to have interesting drums. Hmm. Well, it's it's interesting. He talks about that noise and we could talk about it more later. But there there are some interesting little uh, like musical tidbits here. Where I think that's just the way it in, is ends with almost like a bagpipey type of sound. And there's mm. there's some interesting stuff in these tracks, which I like. Super. So, well, thank you all for writing in or making comments about the album. It's always appreciated to be able to kind of get a kind of a preliminary sense of what people are thinking about these albums. And with that, we're going to move on from the viewer mail and enter what we're considering side two of this album, at least, with Another Day in Paradise.
I feel about this song the way I think that Tom kind of feels about No Son of Mine. <laughs> and that I like the song. I, I like and agree with the sentiment it's it's putting out there. It just kind of doesn't quite work for me as a song. Again, not that I don't think people feel good about this song, you know, but I just think of Tom saying, you know, the people kind of sing along <laughs> with the chorus, you know, son of mine, this is another day in paradise that we're all at a concert together. And, you know, it's we're all privileged in a way and we're thinking about the oppressed and the the downtrodden and everything, but but not doing a lot about it. And so there's. But a song, maybe I'm putting too much on the song that way. So it's, I I think the song itself is fine. It's just something that I think back in the day, I heard this song a lot. And so it still has that kind of air of overplayedness to me. I kind of disagree with you, Mike. Okay. I mean, well, no, I so I agree with you. This was song was overplayed. Like this was, <laughs> sure. I think of all the tracks on this album, particularly, I, I you know, what I was listening to in, in Philly on the radio, this was constant and this was all over, um, you know, MTV, VH1. But in terms of, you know, the the subject matter of this track, you know, Homeless, I mean, I think Phil raised millions of dollars. Oh, sure. To help local communities with the homeless problem. I think that tour and every tour he's done since there's been uh, fundraising efforts at the at each venue to get concert goers to donate some money that would go back into, you know, helping homeless people within that particular community, which I think is fantastic. And, you know, as much as I, you know, maybe this isn't my favorite track on the album, you know, my, my ears are a bit dulled from overhearing <laughs> it so much back in the day. I can't say enough about how much this song has, I think, helped to galvanize some efforts around the the terrible homeless problem in the states and all over the world I, i'm i know this was um a bigger i don't know how big of a hit this was outside of the u.s and there and i don't know how much this song translated to uh other communities outside of the united states in terms of you know helping to um you know, supporting, you know, a lot of these nonprofits or groups who are helping homeless people. But I know in the U.S. it was it was pretty big. Yeah. And so for that, you know, I applaud Phil like he put his money you know, where his mouth was. Right. Like he's not just singing about, oh, this is a problem and, you know, we should be thankful for what we have. And it's like he he was actively trying to help, you know, those people who who didn't have a home and didn't have enough to get by. And thank you for clarifying that with me, because I think that I probably I'm, I'm not expressing myself greatly about kind of kind of what it's, I don't even want to say that this rubs me the wrong way, because I, I agree with everything this song stands for and everything you talked about with mm -hmm. it. But it's just like it just doesn't quite as a song do it for me in a way. So and and yeah, Phil did a lot. Phil and the audience mm -hmm. and the crowds did a lot of work for that. And I don't want to minimize that or anything. So. If if that's how it sounded, I don't want that to but be. I, you know, I get what, what you're where saying. From, but yeah. Like um, like this this billionaire artist is singing about you know this subject yeah. that maybe he's not connected. Like he doesn't have firsthand experience. Yeah. So it, it's, sometimes it's, when you hear that, it it you know it doesn't make it feel authentic. Yeah, it's funny. It's it, 
and I've thought about this with, again, talking with what Tom says about no son of mine and stuff like that, where I'm like, it doesn't, it's never bothered me about artists talking about things that they haven't experienced. Like to me, I'm always like, that's, that's kind of the job of an artist to do that right. type of type of conversation to bring these things up. I think it's, it's sometimes more the audience that can listen to the song and not think deeply or any deeper about the subject matter other than thinking about, they hear the word paradise and go, Oh, it's a nice little song type of thing. Other again, mm -hmm. you know, whether people, I could be setting up a mythical straw man saying that this is a problem when it's really not. And it's, you know, maybe it's my own guilt about not doing things about, about this type of stuff that bothers me about it. So I, 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 my uneasiness is uneasy. And so, and, and I'm not super comfortable with my uneasiness about it, but it's something I just wanted to kind of bring up and say, this, sure, is, yeah. this is one of those tracks that it like, again, I, I agree with everything that it's putting out there, but I, there's just something in me that's weird about it. So hey, well, good I mean, art as, should make you uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, as I said earlier, I've got two ears and a heart. At least Mike's got <laughs> two ears. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, ouch. It's all right. I, I, I admit that sometimes my heart needs a cracking. <laughs> what we're saying about, uh, I know, I think Phil got some flack because like you said, Stacey, here's this, you yeah. know, multimillionaire who is singing about the plight of the homeless. And I think that's, that's my soapbox, soapbox rant that I, I hate when people say that they say, Oh, mm -hmm. you can't, bring light or yeah to this subject because you're not affected by it or that you're you know you haven't experienced it firsthand so you don't get to raise awareness to this like why not i mean of course i could bring awareness mm -hmm. to the homeless yeah. who am i i'm a guy sitting with a microphone in new jersey that no one knows so this is phil collins who has the world stage exactly and if he can use yep. that to bring awareness to this subject that he was aware of it's not that he didn't know it existed he was i think driving through dc yeah and saw all this and you know he couldn't believe that this existed and he asked i think the person who's with who are all these people and they're like uh they're homeless they they don't have any place to go so the fact that he what billy joel can't sing about vietnam and goodnight saigon because right. he didn't go to vietnam bruce springsteen can't sing about whatever because he didn't do this it's like you'd mm -hmm. lose 75 percent 80 percent of the art that's out there if you made it a requirement for the person to actually have to have gone through what they're writing or singing about or painting or whatever like so i i hate that that argument that yeah only certain people can bring awareness because you're too rich or you're too privileged to be affected by it so i mean you just look at peter gabriel's <laughs> catalog yeah, too that, right. i mean yeah you know um yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like they have the, like you said, the world stage, they, they, sh they are the ones who we, we need, we need people like Phil Collins, Peter Gabriel, you know, Bruce Springsteen's all the, you know, all these people in the world to shine the light. Phil Collins did a great job. I think mm -hmm. because he, he is, he, he does sing and he expresses himself from the heart as we've seen in his music time and time again, he just captured it so well. And I honestly think the the detractors, are so much less than those who are really supporting the song. Luckily, right. they just make louder noise. Yeah, that's <laughs> that, true. Yeah. Well, I'll talk about what I like about this song too. Like yeah. as a song itself, you know, the, I actually really like the moodiness and kind of, especially in the intro, it's, it feels, 
you know, kind of unfill like in some ways, kind of having, you know, again, a pop song start out the way it does. And I think David Crosby's vocals along mm. with Phil's in this mm. one, again, as Tom brought up with the, with the, that's just the way it is really complement this song again extremely well those voices blend and give a different feel to it that that works so most of my critique about this song is about the song not all the stuff that surrounds it so mm -hmm. if that makes mm -hmm. sense so mm -hmm. I want the song itself to be a better song about homelessness, <laughs> you know, for me, what, what, and whatever that might be, I, I don't have a prescription of what would change it, what changes would be made to do it. Maybe something, maybe because it feels, you know, I talked about Phil before, or we've talked to, and we've all talked about Phil before kind of sneaking in lyrics that it sounds like a happy song, but it's a sad song. Or maybe this, if it wasn't so clearly, what feels like an important song, I would like it a little bit better. But also I think that sometimes you, I appreciate that you have to beat people over the head with things so that they can be like, this is what this song is about. Oh yeah. This is so straightforward. There's no yeah. metaphor. There's right. no, um, you know, and maybe that's what I'm missing. You know, I, I would have yeah. liked a little bit, maybe not metaphor, but like disguise this with an upbeat song and maybe it wouldn't have had the effect that it, that it had with people. But but just for me as a listening experience, it would be I'd be more interested in it that way. So <laughs> we'll find a way to your heart somehow, Mike. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> we'll do we'll do a we'll do a remix. We'll have something uh, like a, a dance remix. A and maybe that a, a dance remix. Twelve. Yeah. inch. Because I, you know me, I love dance music. So bring that up. So. I mean, where do you see someone strip to another day in paradise? Oh. I mean, that's that'll get you. Uh, this is oh, I just so have hot. to note that this is the first appearance of Oh Lord mm. oh, okay. on, on the album, which is another okay. trademark of Phil's. That's right. Mm -hmm. Bring it, bring it on. So it's, it's a Philism. So yep. we'll, we'll get the dictionary going with that. Cool. Well, with that, again, I, and I would actually encourage any listeners out there, if you have local homeless uh, shelters or charities in your area, I think we would all say contribute to those and do or do whatever work you can to support people in need anywhere. Because, again, this is not a need that has gone away anywhere. No, so. fortunately not. Yeah. I do have a heart, Tom. See, <laughs> I'm just it's grown <laughs> three times. It's grown three exactly. sizes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, well, with that, you know, we'll move on now to a short little ditty called Heat on the Street. Because 
I got this on CD and unlike cassettes where which was my main listening in the 80s where you would stop it and then next time you listened you pick up right where you left off with C with the CDs once you stopped it if you started it again usually would start from the beginning so I really never made it all the way through this album many times like I did with cassettes so hmm. usually after another day in paradise that's kind of the turning point for me on this album where everything mm. after it is kind of an afterthought so starting with heat on the street through the end is i haven't listened to these songs as much as i've listened to the first seven songs it just kind of just in my listening habits and i think with the fact that heat on the street it just seems okay like yeah. there are better upbeat horn songs on the album where it felt like this could have been a b-side it's, it's got a little bit of a joe jackson kind of feel to it in some places but it just doesn't really make it on my radar yeah that's all all i have to say about this track is it should have been a b-side so, <laughs> there you go yeah wow. i and i agree i i i would skip this if it was on cd yeah. i strangely enough can't really think about I had this confused <laughs> initially with Saturday night and Sunday morning. Mm. I my first note is that it's hanging long enough part two. It feels <laughs> very much like that song, but it's exactly. just it's yeah. on side two. And it's like I like the feel of this, but it just it's just kind of empty to me. It doesn't doesn't go anywhere. So so yeah, B side I think would be a good good thing. I might even replace, you know, this track with one of the B sides that I think would have been a little bit better too, which we can talk briefly about later. But uh, but with that, well, now, Tom, <laughs> we'll get to the song you might have been waiting for, even in this, you know, second half of the album, the song with the title, All of My Life. All of my life 
again, this is Phil's catchphrase for many songs in his solo catalog and Genesis. I think the only thing better would be a song called Oh Lord. And <laughs> it would it's just I think it was just inevitable because he's such a fan of this phrase that he would have a full entire song yeah. devoted to it. I like the opening sax. Uh, that kind of harkened back to, I think, a track from, it was either Face Value or Hello, I Must Be Going. It's about his relationship with his father. And I think the video is a lot like that, like old film clips and, and things like that. And, you know, I, I'm saying the good stuff first. Steve Winwood <laughs> plays Hammond organ on it. Mm-hmm. It's got some good top lines. And I think the problem I have with it is that there's a song by Stephen Bishop called It Might Be You from the Tootsie soundtrack. And that has a, a couple uses of all of my life. And it's the exact same phrasing oh. that Phil uses in this. And I can't <laughs> separate them. And it's it's crazy because you know Stephen Bishop and Phil know each other. Like yeah. they worked together with uh, the White Knight song. Stephen Bishop wrote that. Separate Lives. Right. Stephen Bishop wrote that. He sang on backup on one of the earlier tracks. Yep. He sang uh, on Do You Remember. He sings backup. So it just seemed very odd that that exact phrase and the exact you know hopefully in edit you can do a like a little side-by-side side comparison. I'm not going to all- date up the Tootsie soundtrack is what you're telling me. Uh, I mean, that, that was played constantly on the radio. It might wow. be you. I mean, when you hear it, you'll know it. And so every time he says all of my life, I'm like, that's from Tootsie, the exact phrasing. <laughs> so that's where I get stuck with this song. So it might, it's it's a good song on its own, but I, the fact that it just mirrors that phrase, I can't get out of my head. It's funny. You mentioned the sax intro. We know how much I love sax. Oh, yeah. I had totally forgotten that this song had a sax intro. And after kind of the the joy of having a song titled all of my life, I was like, oh, there's a sax intro. Fantastic. (laughs) I kind of like this song. I don't remember the Stephen Bishop song you talked about, although if I heard it, maybe it would trigger with me. I liked that there's little bits of this melody that Phil sings throughout the song that like about halfway through i've noticed at 213 like the melody goes up when i expected it to do something else and i like that phil can surprise me that way that you know that i can still kind of you know think oh the song's gonna do this thing and then it does something else like i like that about a lot of phil's songs and i think this that's the positive thing i could say about this song the the i don't even want to say negative is that i can't really play this song in my head right now i'm not actually sure what this song sounds like (laughs) So again, kind of as you said, Tom, like after Another Day in Paradise, some of these songs kind of don't really stand out, except for maybe Find a Way to My Heart. Yeah, I, I love the chorus of this song. Um, you know, I'm a sucker for the big wall sound mm. chorus. It's lovely. I think it's a it's a it's a great song. It's a great sentiment that he's expressing in this track. I do really like the sax intro. I think it works very well. It always amazes me how, you know, Collins isn't a horn player 
but he's he writes for the the instrument mm -hmm. and uh, these types of you know the 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 reeds and the and the horns the brass like so well he knows um, what he wants to hear from exactly yeah. yeah yeah and it's uh you know maybe it's because he's not a horn player it just works so well i don't know but uh yeah it's, it's a solid track on side two or whatever uh <laughs> towards the end of the album right. but i agree with you guys on your comment um i think it, yeah that this this album as a whole is very much front loaded but all of my life and you're saying uh find a way to my heart those are like the solid tracks on the on towards the end of the the album so with that we're going to jump into another short little ditty mm -hmm. called saturday night and sunday morning was a tease give us more <laughs> i mean i would have loved another minute or two of this song i think it's just shy of two minutes uh well and it's just a great that change in tempo like it starts off fast and all of a sudden then it goes in kind of like a swing kind of mm. slower groove like that's fantastic and i just wish it had gone on a little bit more like uh like west side um mm, right that that instrumental or even hand in hand I just wish it was more like that. But I mean, I, I think it's great. I just wish there were more of it. Well, this is like the precursor. I see this as like the precursor to his big band project, mm. which I think mm -hmm. can't remember what year he he came out with that album and it did a tour around it. It was like mid nineties. I want to say. Yeah. Like so it was very close. Like yeah. you can see on this album, he was kind of heading in that direction a little yeah. bit and this song in, in particular. So yeah, if you like this track, definitely check out Phil's like big band stuff. But I agree with you, Tom. I mean, this I would like more of this um, from Phil in general. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Saturday night, Sunday morning. Yeah, he he captured it. <laughs> mentally, I would have to say. Yeah. <laughs> I I like this. I I my note was it's this album's what gorilla. You know, it's a ah, little yeah. kind of short bitty type mm -hmm. of thing. And and I like the fast bit at the start. The the and I think the transition is good to the second part. I just don't know if I like the the riff the feel of the second part as much as i like the first part but yeah tom i think i i agree with you that i'd like more of it you know maybe just another additional minute make it a three minute thing versus yeah. a two minute thing but yeah it's nice enough and i mm -hmm. think it, it grooves and is again yeah. a sign of things to come so now we're going to go into the penultimate track on the album father to son You may feel you're the only one 
contrast again between peter and phil where phil has this song father to son peter gabriel has father son kind of the same basic idea i'm going to write about the relationship between fathers and sons and how do they approach it and gabriel's is very specific and makes it general because it's specific about his own relationship with his father when phil's feels more almost like it's a father giving advice about love to his son. It's kind of a, a more general idea, maybe still specific in, in a conversation. Maybe this mimics what either Phil would talk to his sons about or maybe a conversation he had with his father. But I think that it shows the different approach to things, whereas Peter's is more about his internal life with his father and Phil's is about a conversation between fathers and son. Yeah, like Collins is father to son and Gabriel is son to father. Yeah. So, you know, it's looking at that relationship, whether you're the son or you're the father, which I think is lovely. And I, it's, 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 it's sweet. And, you know, this goes back to what we were saying earlier about Collins is now as a songwriter and I just in his, just as a, just as a person, he's at a point in his life, it sounds like through the lyrics on this album, like he's really st like reflecting on bigger issues, um, having, you know, thinking about like the relationship with his children, the relationship to as a as a part of the human race. Like he's 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 going he's going beyond the 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 love, you know, the romantic relationship and, and kind of examining the relationships, other types of relationships in his life. And this song is, you know, a nice little, you know, I think he, I, I don't know, but I guess he wrote this for his son or it was intended to kind of um, be a way to connect with him and say, you know, I'm here for you. And, you know, these, I want to make sure that I'm supporting you. And, and you know, this is great. Uh, otherwise, musically, eh, you know, <laughs> it's there. It's a very short song. It's very Phil Collins, mm -hmm. mid-tempo, slow ballad, you know, this is textbook, you know, so it's nothing, <laughs> you know, I would say musically that grabs me. Um, and, you know, as a, as a, as a woman who it does not have children, um, there's not <laughs> you're, much, you're, you're neither a father nor a son, son <laughs> nor, you know, and anything close to that. So this is not something that resonates with me as a, as a subject, uh, but but yeah, so there you go. That's my mm. uh, not so great review of that track. <laughs> I think it was written for Simon or, you know, about Simon, his mm. son. Yeah, I think I agree with you. It just, it kind of comes in and does its thing and goes out. It is a very, yeah. like, mm. it's only three minutes and something and you figure for, I don't know, there's just a lot to it. The verses sound like a slow down version of both sides of the story, even though that hadn't come yet. But mm -hmm. the, the, the phrasing is very similar. It's got touches of one more night in it, like transitions between the verses. 
I I noted that it feels like this is where he starts veering off into Tarzan territory. Hmm, okay. uh, mm-hmm. Like the subject matter and especially, you know, the next song, like I can yeah. see the trajectory that would lead him to write, you know, yeah. you'll be in my heart and a lot of the songs that are on that soundtrack. So, yeah, this is, you know, I don't have a son. I am a son, but <laughs> <laughs> right. this, 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 you know, it's, it's there. All right. So yeah. It didn't. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. really. It's not a bad song. I no. don't. I don't think any of us are saying it's it's awful or anything like that. It's just that it doesn't necessarily connect with mm-hmm. the three of us, and that's okay yeah. because that's you know that's music for you. There's plenty of other tracks on right. this album that connect yes. with. Right. Well, and and <laughs> Phil is very good about finding a way to my to, to your to. Phil is very good about finding a way to my heart. To what you were saying earlier, Tom, I think this track was uh, Collins's uh, Disney audition. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Father to son and, and especially find a way to my heart. Um, this is where we, we, we start to see uh, Disney Collins uh, emerge a bit. 
I love this track. This is always in my rotation of favorites on the album. I think this is my favorite drum track. Like this is my favorite Phil Collins drumming is in this song. Um, and it's honestly, it's the only, I think of all the many tracks on this album, it's the only one that really gives me the feels like the Phil Collins feels, mm. you know, you look at this song, I mean, this album object, like as, as a, as a, as a piece, as a, as a artistic endeavor, it is very consistent. I think that one of the readers uh, or the listeners, <laughs> readers, <laughs> I can't get right. our listeners, you know, wrote in and said it's a consistent album. I hundred percent agree. I mean, yeah. the arrangements are solid. The mix is fantastic. The, the guests and, or the, you know, the contributor, the music, the contributors to this album are top notch, you know, I, but it doesn't like it's only this one track that gives me the Phil Collins feels. Really? Um, and so that's why, you know, as strong as this is for me personally, it's not up there with some of his other releases. Um, and again, that could also speak to what I was saying right at the beginning with, you know, where I was in my life when this was came out sure. um, and how I, you know, related to this material at the time that's sure that had an impact but yeah this song though always mm -hmm. had an impact on me um and it continues to so big thumbs up all right yeah, yeah. I, I said uh take me home part two is i think yeah. one mm -hmm. of the the writers said and i don't mean that negatively i think that i love take me home you know it's mm -hmm. like so give me more oh of that's that. my funeral song by the way uh, <laughs> <"Take me home." laughs> yeah right. so I really love the chorus of this. I and I like the verses. I wish the verses kind of were as good as I think the chorus is. Mm -hmm. You know, it's great, you know, and it does have that kind of strange droning at the end, which I wasn't sure if it quite fit the track, but it's I'm like I'm willing to accept it for what it is. So uh, I like weird Phil every once in a while. And if that's the weird Phil I'm going to get here, you know, then I'm I'll take it with me. So. So overall, I like I like this track and I think it is it is a great end for the album. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's almost got that like dirigidu. Yeah. At the yeah. end, even though it's not, but it's it's got yeah. that cool guitar intro, the outro, the it's very uplifting in the middle. Uh, mm -hmm. as I, I in my listening as a CD listener, I probably would have listened to it more if it was front loaded with some of the other tracks. But mm -hmm. but it is a great album closer. So I think this was really the only place for it on the album but yeah you know I, I give it a thumbs up i just wish i you know I, I need to give this track some more love and some more listen yeah it is one that for these ending tracks i i can play this in my head i i can yeah i know this song whereas mm -hmm. you know we talked about father son all my life and heat on the street i'm like those those blend a bit for me where I couldn't necessarily, as soon as I heard them, I'd probably be like, oh yeah, there it is. But, mm -hmm. but I can't recall it as well as I would like to and everything. So that's the album, the 12 track album from Phil. There were two B sides, the really kind of classic B sides of, you know, not counting around the world and 80 presets or anything like that. And if uh, Tom and I can B side bro it up a little bit, uh, they're called, that's how I feel. And the other one is you've been in love, parentheses, that little bit too long.
thumbs up on these, both mm-hmm. of them. The first one, that's how I feel. That's a more up-tempo, horn-laden song. And and that's one that I might have switched with Heat on the Street. Mm-hmm. I might have, if, if I needed to switch out one of them. I think You've Been in Love that little bit too long. It's a little bit slower, but still, you know, mid-tempo. Kind of got that, I don't know, like more of like a 60s Motown feel or or something. That, I think, was fine as a B-side. Yeah. I I agree with you. If I were going to swap out, you know, get rid of heat on the street, put in that's how I feel. I like the fake out ending at the end of uh, that's how I feel, where it kind of ends and then it kind of there's a little kind of keyboard type of thing going, and then it just goes for another thirty seconds or whatever. You've been in love. I liked, but and it felt very face value ish to me. It was one of those tracks that I was like, oh, this this might be why it was off not on the record it felt very thunder and lightning ish to me mm, that track okay, on the face value and and it was good both of them were good i could see why they got you know past demo stage and and our completed songs but for you've been in love i can see why it's a b-side the other one i think that you know maybe if if heat on the street was a b-side i'd be like oh that should have been on the album instead <laughs> of something else but but i i think a one-to-one swap with heat on the street and that's how i feel would not immeasurably improve the album but it would slightly improve the album i think and stacy did, did you hear either of these songs no <laughs> i have no idea what you're talking about that's fine so they're b-sides so you know it's like if you're if you're sticking yeah, with the album i, I think that's I, appropriate. i think i stopped buying singles by this time right you know, I was already hooked on Phil, so I was like, I don't need to see if I like the song first and buy the yeah. single and check out the B side. So You're I gonna get the albums. So. Yeah, I'm just gonna get the albums, and you know, I, so yeah. And you've you never bros been keep a, talking. Uh, well, <laughs> and you and you've never been a huge kind of like bonus track gal. Not um, really. I we, no. We I well, B-side I don't like bros and bonus track gal. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> no, the, the the thing I don't, I don't, I don't really particularly care to hear like demos or rough cuts or. Mm unfinished mixes and things like that you know if there's a b-sides are different though you know this is yeah. a song that could have made it you know right. I, I think some one of my favorite genesis songs is a b-side you might recall mm. so you know you know i appreciate like hearing this but yeah it's the unfinished like work in progress stuff that okay i could care less about <laughs> like, sure yeah understood so mm. cool well we're now at that part of the out of the um uh episode where we do we talk about our own for the poll? I always forget this. I was going to say, how many times have we done this? About fifty <laughs> some at this point. I, th- I I think the way to remember it is we always talk about our favorite tracks, and then we go to my poll and see yes. which one of us was correct. Right. Yes. yes. <laughs> All right. That's good. So sounds good. So let's talk about our own favorite tracks on this album. So Stacy, you are the both returning guest and guest host and whatever we want. You get to chat first about your favorite track on But Seriously. Oh, I thought you were going to say ladies first, but you that know too. I'm not a lady. <laughs> oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think it's clear find a way to my heart. Um oh, because yes. yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, for all the things I said about it, it is the one that's stuck with me. It's always it's always been a, it, it's the top favorite of, of several favorites um, within this album. You know, I would say a, a close runner up though would be something happened on the way to heaven. Mm. I always love that the energy that's all, and it still sounds good. Like it doesn't sound, none of the tracks really sound 
too dated here, except, you know, like I said, the female vocal, like there's certain mm. signal, like things that are happening um, across the album that like put it in its time. But to me, something happened on the way to heaven and find a way to my heart. Just to me, that's, that's Phil Collins. That's, yep. you know, it gives me such joy to hear those two, I think above all the others on this album. Excellent. Sounds good. Tom, you want me to go first or do you want to go first? I'll go. Cause it's quick. I think cause it's a lot of, great tracks on this album especially you know the first half but the one that gives me the full Colin feels i wish it would rain down i mean it's just when it grabs me there's it's not like anything else on this album does to me so i wish it would rain down yep and we'll b-side bro it up even though that's not a b-side i've also <laughs> voted for i wish it would rain down again for the same reasons Something Happened on the Way to Heaven was an incredibly close second. And if I were voting today, I might actually vote for that track. Mm. Um, but I voted, you know, last week or whenever I did. So and I did, you know, uh, I wish it would rain down. It's they're both classic songs for different reasons. I would listen to each of them for wanting to be in a certain fill type of mood. Each of them are great at what they do. So and would be each probably be in a top. 10 fill song list if i were making a top 10 list like that so wow so thumbs up so all Great. right so we got two for i wish it would rain down we got one for find a way to my heart i i have the feeling that all both of those songs i'm gonna put myself out on a limb here and say that both of those songs are gonna be in the top three i was gonna say top five but i was like oh have some balls here. Let's say top. <laughs> so. You're showing your lady balls here. That's yeah. right. So. <laughs> yes, it's time for Tom's poll. Tom shows you his poll. A couple of these were surprising for me, not because they rated so well, because they didn't rate so well. <laughs> there was a tie for last place, a three-way tie for last place. They only got three votes each out of 155 votes. That's a good amount of voting. Uh, less mm -hmm. than 2%. Uh, it was a three-way tie between father to son, mm -hmm. which that didn't surprise me. No. That's just the way it is, which I okay. thought would rate a little bit higher. Yeah, I thought yeah. that would be higher. Huh. And hanging long enough. Really? Which wow. I thought would rate, rate much higher. I would have thought that would have been at least in the middle of the pack. I don't know, though. It's a it's a bit bombastic, like I said, yeah. hanging long enough. I, as Genesis a, as a fans, we love bombast. I know, I know, but... <laughs> As a, I, so my, the, yeah, that, that it's just surprising. Cause I, I would have thought like heat on the street would have been. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Lower than that. Maybe people were getting confused. <laughs> Not that I want to say. People <laughs> confused, but Right. Next up tied for, I don't know, tied for second worst. The last uh, <laughs> the, second worst. Uh, with four votes each at 2.5% were heat on the street. Okay. And Saturday night and Sunday morning. All right. So that yeah. kind of makes sense to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I could see mm -hmm. Heat on the Street definitely. I think a, a short instrumental like Saturday night and Sunday morning is never going to be high on the list. I yeah. Think. Our seventh place with 10 votes and six and a half percent was all of my life. All right. And these are kind of rating the way I thought they would because mm -hmm. right. I think almost the second half of this album rated in the second half of the right. poll. Yeah. Up to sixth place with 12 votes and 7.7% was Another Day in Paradise. Okay. Which I think maybe, I think is the same way we felt. It's like 
a good song. It's yeah. not the best on the album. Maybe it's been overplayed. So yeah. I think sixth place sounds about right. Jumping up to fifth place with 13 votes and 8.3% was Do You Remember? Fair. Top four, 21 votes, 13.5% was Something Happened on the Way to Heaven. Excellent. That means now, my prediction of the top three, <laughs> I, the, our trats are in the top three, so that's good. Now we have the top three with number three getting 22 votes and 14% colors. Excellent. Okay, yeah. yeah that, I could see that being high. Yep, that's a great mm -hmm. song. Mm -hmm. Now we have the top two. It's, it's a heat, dead heat between I Wish It Would Rain Down and Find a Way to My Heart, but the second place song with 29 votes, only two votes separating it between the top was Find a Way to My Heart. And the number one song was with 20% of the vote was I Wish It Would Rain Down, 31 votes. I could see that. Wow. I mean, half of those came from Chippendale dancers. Yes. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, let's hear more about it. So where were you at this strip club? Was this a was this a bachelorette party? Was this a I conference think it was. you were on? Or? No, it was, I think it was a bachelorette party. Okay. This was a long time ago. Uh, sure. It's got to be month. like, yeah, <laughs> in November. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, it was, yeah, it was a bachelorette party. So it was probably like 15, 20 years ago. All right. I can't remember the name of the club. It was somewhere in like South Philly, of course. Uh, was, was the stripper hot? Oh, yeah. All right. I mean, they're all hot. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, sometimes they had, they had to pour a be... bucket of water on them. I mean, oh, it was yeah, so right. hot, it was you know? Steamy. Sure. You should have oh, seen, my... seen his butt. Seriously. Oh. <laughs> I might have. Um... <laughs> But yeah, All oh right. God, I can't believe like that's the top track <laughs> and like how like, you know, it's so funny how we, we, we can associate songs with such random things and yeah. in, in our lives and how they become <laughs> defined and, and, mm. and experienced. Yeah. So, right. you know, I, I wish, and of course at the time I was with all my girlfriends and right. they, they knew like I'm a huge Phil Collins fan. And <laughs> right. so when this guy struts out and this song starts playing, they're all looking at me and laughing hysterically. <laughs> right. And I'm like mortified. I'm like, Oh God, like I'm having such mixed emotions, like right. hearing Phil Collins in this setting, in this moment was not what was on was not on my bingo card right, right. <laughs> um, when worlds collide that yeah, is the, it you was know. you know it's like it was awkward it's like you know when you're watching a, a movie with your parents and a sex scene comes on kind <laughs> of like vibe it was just not it was not cool so <laughs> you know I, I unfortunately because of that i cannot like first of all, have any like real connection to that song. And I objectively can't even like evaluate it as. Do you as remember liking the song before the stripping incident? Mm, I'm trying to remember. I, of course. I mean, I think I right. liked it, I, but I, I not, it would, like I said, it was never a standout favorite, like find a way to my heart and something happened on the way to heaven. Right. I think, you know, okay. and even, I think the other song that, colors and all of my life like those four to mm -hmm. me are always ones that you know truly like have consistently resonated and like i've i've gotten the most joy out of hearing i think i wish it would rain down i don't know it's 
it's like again, a middle of the com- road for it's you. Very, it's very, it is, it is a bit schmaltzy. Like I feel like mm. Phil's really laying it on thick um, yeah. here. Uh, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I always, yeah, just that guitar sound yeah. was just a bit. Mm. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I get it. So yeah. It's, uh, and I'm not, and you got, I think I might've said this before. I am not at all an Eric Clapton fan. So that sure. could also play into okay. it. So. Right. So that wasn't really kind of, yeah. yeah, I feel like I'm a very middle of the road Eric Clapton fan. I, I know what's on the radio. I have a couple albums out there, but not, I'm not Gaga for him, but mm-hmm. I do think as a guest player, he can be deployed really well at times. I preferred him on his contribute his contribution to base value than this yeah, one. Yeah, sure. You know, I, prefer, I now I'm like blanking on the name of the song. What was it? It was um that was uh um, the roof is leaking. The roof is no. leaking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think he's yeah. on that. Yeah, yeah. Like and that to me was I preferred that, but yeah. I also prefer that song. So right. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Right now. Excellent. So, well, this has been fascinating to talk about this album <laughs> and to learn these different things about, you know, our own personal histories with music and how yeah. that, can, that can color our, you know, appreciation for things. I know. And and if anybody else has heard any of the, any Phil Collins song at a strip club, um, you know, let us know. <laughs> I, uh, I, I usually now only hear Phil Collins out in the world in supermarkets and, mm, you know, shopping. Well, when but... I was, I was just uh, down in Disney World for a week away and everything and and for the Magic Kingdom fireworks show, mm-hmm. uh, you'll be in my heart is used as part of that. Of the course. music, that thing, yeah. not not Phil's version, the one from the movie is used. Right. But I'm like, oh, that's you know, I'm like, I can't get away from Genesis and <laughs> Phil stuff, you know, no matter where you go. So, uh, but people love that song too. So he knows how to write them. Mm-hmm. But this has been a lot of fun talking about this. Yeah. So whenever we talk about both sides or one of the other Phil albums we haven't done. Or something else non-Phil related, if you want to come back for stuff. You know, we still have to re-record our Lost Three Sides Live episode. Oh, right. Yes, we have to do that. I mean, I always say, if you guys ever want to do Tony Banks Drinkla Inc., that oh is, yeah that sure all right album well, that's, for me. and that might be a good one we, we had kind of another guest talking thinking about that too and another female guest actually so it mm-hmm. may be good to get you know get some more uh kind of mix in talking about that too so fantastic strictly ink we'll pen we'll ink that in ink that and, in and uh get that going so well, where can people find you online nowadays, Stacey? Uh, where where are you doing your podcasting and uh, radio shows and things along those lines? Right. Yeah. So I'm I'm still uh, doing No Words Music uh, radio show on progrock.com. It's the first and third Thursdays of every month. But I don't have a work conflict um, <laughs> or travel conflict, but it's been pretty consistent lately. Um, so, yeah, it's 530 Central, 630 Eastern Time. And it's still so I'm loving that I I and the listeners are really I, I I'm getting good feedback about the format, which is I just pick a random theme mm-hmm. and you know put together a playlist around that theme. And um, all instrumental music. All instrumental music, yes, yes. And I'm coming up on my third year. So yeah. the third anniversary show will be in March of 2024. Really excited about that. Um it is I play all that the show is all listener requests mm-hmm. for, you know, their favorite instrumental or one that they just want to hear on the show. 
Um, so if you're not uh, following No Words Music on Facebook, X or Twitter mm -hmm. um, or Instagram, because they're the only socials I can handle, mm -hmm. um, please follow me there. You'll get updates on how you can submit your request and just like, you know, get in touch. Let me know if there's a theme idea, a uh, song you'd want to hear. But yeah, if you can't tune in live, they're uploaded on iTunes each show. Um, you can always hear them on progrock.com as well. Perfect. Yeah, I would love for anybody to check it out. Let me know what you think. Excellent. And it's it's fun to join the chat that you oh, have yeah. during the show. And yeah. uh, I think during your last request show, you played my request. So thank you very much. Oh, I, you're welcome. I enjoyed yes. it. What yeah. was your request, Tom? Was it Baroque Project? Is that the one you requested? It was It was uh, your instrumentals. I forget what the actual theme of the show was. Maybe it was just listener requests, mm -hmm. but it was uh, I requested Overture from Dream Theater's yes. six, six Degrees of Inner Turbulence. Yeah, oh. that's a great track. I'm not a huge dream, you know, Dream Theater is fine, but that yeah. album is great. So I had yeah. to request that opening overture from the second CD. Nice. Very yeah. Cool. Yeah, overtures are 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 always in the prog prog rock world. Like that <laughs> is that is the you know usually an instrumental um, stalwart in, in in that genre. You always have to have an overture and then eight parts. Intro intro to the suite. Yeah, and there, <laughs> exactly. yeah. There's a suite and uh, and one one side, or if you will, or one even the whole album, just one song, which mm. I love. I love that exactly. Song. Yeah, sounds good. Excellent. Well, thank you again for coming back and chatting well, with us about this album. Me. Yes, yeah. it's always a good time. Yeah. So, but we will sign off now. So, Stacy, this is Stacy. This is Tom, and this is Mike, and we will see you next time on Tabletop Genesis. <laughs>
and you can email us directly at genesistabletop at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the podcast or send us questions we can address on future episodes. Actually, I just need to plug in my computer to the it's on wireless right now. I just okay. want to put it into the Ethernet cord. Be right back. Hold on. All right, all right. So we just have to do that whole intro over again. No, I'm joking. I... <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> it froze. It's record. It's still recording, right, Mike? Yes, it is still recording. So, and it was recording. It just that I think for my.
end of things, it froze up once or twice when you guys were talking for very short periods of time. Okay. And I and I think it was just <laughs> just recorded your talking the way right, it just went. froze. So. It just froze for a second again. Oh, probably I because I was plugging yeah. in. To, yeah. Okay. It's now transition where it will. Let's just uh, see as it gets over to. It just has to do its thought thinking process and make sure that it's doing its thing. Bummer about Zancaster. Yeah. Although the good thing is like with Zoom, I have this all through work and per Tom probably does too, which does this remote recording and, and kind of is able to do everything the way that it should. Oh, so, okay. So yeah. So Zencaster is like, if we wanted to pay for it, we could still do it exactly the way we want. But since we have this free option with, with um, zoom, it makes it very easy to do. And so it just, um, it records to like the zoom cloud and then it goes into, uh, what do you call it? Um, then like at maybe like an hour after we finish, it's available for download and it's still the separate audio stream. Oh, so okay. I can do the kind of make sure that we're not talking over each other. Mute Tom if he's talking over me all the time. So, but that's what we okay. do here. So nice. who wants to talk about hanging long enough first? Any preference? I can do it if you all want. Right. Yeah, so, go ahead, right. Mike. Cool. Go all for right. it.